Thank you, Tammy. So here at Shiloh, we have a prayer ministry that anyone who wants to get on the Google uh, group email chain that's part of our fellowship, we disseminate information that way, but we also call it the prayer chain. Have you ever heard of a prayer chain? Can you say amen? <laughs> okay. And uh, so thank you for those, you Shiloh prayer warriors out there, for keeping those folks in prayer. All right. Today we are hopping right to it. We're actually going to have a slightly abbreviated service today, and for good reason. Some of us need to be in Portland by 1 o'clock. So we're stepping it up. I hope you don't mind. I hope you don't feel like you're uh, being shortchanged. Um, we'll double your money back. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of course. So we continue in Proverbs. But before I get on to that, I want to tell you that next week we are going to be doing a couple of special things. We have been having Missions Sundays here at Shiloh Chapel, and that is where we highlight missions organizations and mission missionaries themselves. And uh, last week, our own Steve Granholm was up here for a few minutes talking about Soldiers for Jesus Motorcycle Club. And next week, our very own Shiloh's favorite pharmacist, I like to call him, uh, Eric Morse is going to be up here talking about the. He has been traveling for about 20 years, for a week to two weeks each year, and I'm gonna. I'm not going to steal his thunder. I'm going to let him tell the tell the whole story. He's going to have pictures to show us and the whole thing. So, uh, I want you to know that. But there's also something very special that's going to happen here next week. Along with that. We're going to be presenting six certificates because of something very special that happened a couple of weeks ago at Church at the Lake. We baptized six people here. Yes, praise the Lord. We had six baptisms at Church at the Lake, and so next week we are firing everything back up. This is a transitional weekend here this weekend. You know, Memorial Day is supposedly the quote-unquote official start of summer. This is Labor Day weekend. This is the quote-unquote official end of summer. And it's not really the end of summer. Summer's not over for another three weeks. But people are, they flood into Maine after, on Memorial Day weekend. A lot of people flood out of Maine because that's when school seasons start and, and end, roughly thereabouts. Well, Next week, Sunday school is also starting back up. We will also be starting back up after our morning worship service next week with prayer and praise at the same time as Sunday school. Anytime Sunday school is in session, essentially, not exactly, but most of the time, when Sunday school is in session, after the morning worship service, we all go out to the fellowship hall. I say we all, many of us, go out to the fellowship hall, have some snacks and some drinks, and we have prayer service, a prayer time, and praise time. Kind of like what Tammy just did, as a matter of fact. So I want to put that out there. I want as many people as possible that you can possibly, if you can come, I want you to come and celebrate when we hand out these uh, certificates of baptism to 
new believers. Praise God Almighty. So, intro to Proverbs. We're still doing Proverbs. And today is going to be a little bit of a show and tell. We're talking about wisdom's benefits. Now, as we go through Proverbs, I am not preaching every single line by line as we go through Proverbs. I am sort of hand-picking segments of Proverbs to preach on for various different reasons. Today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3, the first 12 verses for those of you who brought a Bible. If you do not have a Bible, we're going to have the verses on the screen. Today we're also using a different translation than we usually use, for reasons which I think will become obvious in a few minutes. So, let's get into it. Wisdom's Benefits. Some of this is review, by the way, because we've had numerous interruptions, good interruptions, by the way, with these uh, missions Sundays we've been having. So some of this is review. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the theme that weaves throughout the book of Proverbs. The main Hebrew word for wisdom is hokmah. It was used commonly for the skill of craftsmen, sailors, singers, administrators, and counselors. Hokma pointed to the experience and efficiency of these various workers using their skills. Similarly, a person who possesses hokma in his spiritual life and relationship to God is one who is both knowledgeable and experienced in following God's way. Do you understand that? doesn't just have knowledge of what and how, how to do it, but has experience in what and how to do what God is telling you to do. Biblical wisdom essentially involves skill. Skill in the art of godly living. That is from the Navigators, Proverbs, uh, Bible study book, Kindle edition. Now, I brought some visual aids. I want to mention to you that skilled craftsmen and professional people all use tools. For example, carpenters use hand tools and power tools. Accountants, such as my wife, use computers. And many other uh, occupations, for that matter, use computers as part of their occupation. They have different computer programs or applications, if you will. Depending on the trade or the profession, we use a host of different tools. And in fact, let me see if I can get my Leatherman out here. This visual aid, this is a Leatherman super tool. A lot of people in the trades carry some sort of a Leatherman. There are all kinds of things in this tool. Knife, file, flat tip screwdriver, and all, a fatter fat, uh, flat tip screwdriver, and so forth. A saw, another saw, <laughs> a Phillips head screwdriver, a can opener, bottle opener, the whole thing. We all use tools, and we all need to learn how to use those tools properly. And that is where training comes in. Training comes in, but also, Fresh out of training, you're not an expert. You're not experienced. Your skill is not great when you are a novice. When I was, first became a truck driver, 
I made a lot of dumb, expensive mistakes as a new truck driver. I'm not proud of that fact, but I did. That was the truth. After about 25 years or so, I started to get pretty good at it. So I kept doing it for another 10 years or so. And in fact, I'm still doing it part-time. So we use tools to accomplish tasks. I want to mention some other tools. Today we are in just chapter 3 of uh, the first 12 verses of chapter 3. One of the tools that we use in studying God's Word that I recommend to everyone who doesn't have one is a good study Bible. I remember getting my very first NIV study Bible way back in 1993. I I had not been discipled until that very year. And when I got that first study Bible, it was a revelation to me. There was so much revealed to me. I'm pretty sure Terry remembers it. We went over and bought it at BJ's Wholesale Club. So I have a study Bible right here, which is part of the reason why we are... uh, That has nothing to do with what I'm about to talk about, so I apologize for distracting you. This is a NET study Bible. NET stands for New English Translation. This is a unique study Bible. It is a fairly technical study Bible. I do not recommend this study Bible to everyone. But I want to show you... Can you see the pink square? Okay. Let me show you the next page of the pink square. Those are actual scripture. Everything else is notes, technical notes about translation choices, about commentary, and so forth and so on. This is one of my tools that I use when I am preparing for sermons. I have found it it has grown on me. Usually I'm using the online version, but I always have a hard copy because sometimes online doesn't work. So that is one tool. Here's another tool. This is my go-to everyday reader. I have it with a little handle because I carry stuff in this Bible carrier. And here is the Bible study book. When I, and I've got several other of these that go. When I'm about to preach on a book, when I did the Gospel of John, Terry can tell you, I stockpile everything I can find on, on what I'm about to preach on. And I read over all of that stuff. And I pick from different places on it to teach you. These are tools. What's all this about? Scripture says that I am supposed to be a workman, rightly dividing the Word of God, the Word of truth. And it's a little bit scary when you have to get up here and teach and preach on the Word of God and know that you are going to be held accountable by an all-knowing, all-powerful God for the quality of work that you do. So it's a little scary. Right now, even as I'm speaking with you, there's sweat running down my back. Okay? I might give the appearance that I just love, love, love being up here. And I do. But there is a little pressure that comes with it. And so I want to make sure I have the right tools in place and to preach and teach skillfully. And in fact, over the last little more than a year and a half, I've been learning on the job, as you have noticed. Okay? So I'm using all of this as a way of illustrating what Proverbs is about. Proverbs is about teaching us how to live 
skillfully according to God's word. You understand me? So this, by the way, in here, is not the NET, New English Translation. It is the NLT, New Living Translation. And it is in large print because, well, it's the right tool for the job. I even have to put on special glasses so I can see both this and the screen up there when I'm preaching and not get lost. Okay, let's get into it. Chart of Proverbs. This came literally from that book I just showed you, that Proverbs book. It's not the entire, well, actually, it is the entire chart. I take it back. It's in a little bit different format, but I'm going to go through it quickly with you. This is just to give you an overview. Chart of Proverbs. Prologue. The purpose and theme of Proverbs is stated in the first seven verses. Verses 8 through 19 of the first chapter talks about avoiding bad company. Verses 20 through 33 talk about being careful not to reject wisdom. Chapter 2, the way of wisdom has many moral benefits. That's what chapter 2 is about. Chapter 3, first 20 verses, wisdom enhances every aspect of life. 21 through 35 verses, wisdom involves kindness and righteousness. Chapter 4, wisdom is supreme. Chapter 5, wisdom warns against adultery. Chapter 6, the first 19 verses, wisdom warns about the futility of folly. Chapter 6, verses 20 through 35, wisdom warns against sexual immorality. Chapter 7, wisdom warns against the enticing adulteress. Chapter 8, wisdom's call is issued to all mankind. And finally, chapter 9. Both wisdom and folly invite men to their homes. Now, this is not all the chapters of Proverbs. There are 31. But this, these first nine verses, excuse me, nine chapters, were directed largely at youth. It was the training of fathers to their sons, mothers to their daughters, and so forth and so on. So, why do I bring this up? I'm giving you an overview today. Today is just an overview. We're not going deep today. But I'm touching on things that do go very deep. And I'm hoping to whet your appetite. So let's get into it. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. My child, do not forget my teaching. In the original language, it's my son and it is a father to son. In our modern era, when they said my son, it, 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 what, because that's the way they did it in those days, it doesn't mean that only sons are being taught this stuff. If you are a female, this is for you too, okay? I think you know that, but some translations make a point where it is specific, it is specific, but it, the intention is, this is for everyone. My child. It's very common, actually, in, those, in that era for, and in fact, really not that long ago, to speak, a teacher would speak to the student as my son, my child, my daughter. But it says, do not forget my teaching. My teaching. You know that that word is Torah? Torah? You know what the Torah is? The Old Testament, for all intents and purposes. I could get more specific than that. Not necessary for today. 
But it says, but let your heart keep my commandments. I want you to notice here, as we go through these first 10 verses, that there is a tendency for there to be a command in the odd-numbered verse and a reward for following that command in the even-numbered verse. Okay? My child, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. The law. Verse 2, for they will provide a long and full life and well-being for you. Now, this is not an absolute promise. I want you to understand these are general principles. By way, if you follow the teachings of Scripture, you will likely live a better life. Okay? These are not all promises because there are people who have not forgotten the teaching, who have uh, let their heart keep the commandments, and yet still died young. So it's not an absolute promise. But it is a principle that, for the most part, more often than not, works out. Do not let mercy and truth leave you. These words often go together. Bind them around your neck. Does that indicate a seriousness? Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. What is, what is he saying here? Mercy and truth frequently go together. Love and truth in Scripture go together and for a reason. And I'm going to speak more on that in a later sermon. I'm just, again, I'm overviewing today. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. You think it's taking it seriously? Okay. I can go in depth. I'm, again, I'm just skimming it today. I'm just introducing, I'm whetting your appetite. Verse 4, then you will find favor and good understanding. So you have this commandment, and then you have the reward for keeping the commandment. Then you will find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and people. I have found that to be the case in my own line of work. I have found that when I do good work, and per probably most of you have noticed it. When you do your work, as the Bible says, as unto the Lord. On my way to work each morning when I'm going to work, I ask God to help me to do good work, safe work, quality work, work that glorifies his name. I ask him to help me to focus my often scattered brain. And it really is. I can tell testimony. Uh, Andy has seen my scattered brain in action Jake saw it just yesterday, my scattered brain. He, even as he was giving me instructions, I was misinterpreting because my brain up here in my head, I was bouncing all over the place. He told me to pull into a driveway. I pulled into the wrong driveway. Okay? I'm actually on the phone with him and he's telling me. And I still got it wrong. Okay? But I pray that God focuses me so that I will do good work. And he has been very, very faithful in doing that. So, Anyway, I get back to it. Do not let mercy and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And here comes the reward. Then you will find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and people. It, it works. Try it. 
Here we come to what is, without a doubt, one of the most common favorite scriptures, and it is mine, in fact. Part of the reason why I chose this section of Proverbs for today in an overview. But it's from a different translation than most of you know. And sometimes I do that, by the way. I choose a different translation than what you're all familiar with because there are a lot of good translations and there are good reasons for those translations being slightly different. And just like so many, we were talking about tools, so many different tools in the toolbox. You ever seen a mechanic's toolbox? Somebody who works, we have one right here, a mechanic. They've got a toolbox that's this big and sometimes they've got a couple of them. And there's so many different tools in that toolbox. Well, that's how I use different translations. This translation is a little different than what you're used to, and I'm doing it, I'm using it for that reason, at least one of those reasons today. So let's read this together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. Trust. Trust and truth sound a lot alike for a reason. Trust in the Lord. How do you trust in the Lord? How can you come to trust in the Lord if you don't know him? When you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is the beginning of your relationship. You come to trust him more the more you recognize that he says what he means and he means what he says in his word. Okay? Remember how I talked about skill is not just the head knowledge, but it is the experiential knowledge. When you trust God enough to do what he says to do, and to not do what he says not to do, you will learn that he's right, that this is wisdom. And that's what Proverbs, in part, does. It is both practical wisdom and godly wisdom. You know, one expositor that I, because I also watch all kinds of sermons on YouTube, getting ready for my sermon. I want to see how other people talk about it. Almost all of them do a better job than I do. But, Thank you for your grace and mercy for me. One expositor puts it this way, that chapter one, and this is an oversimplification, but I think it'll help you remember. Chapter one is, what is wisdom? Chapter two, um, what wisdom does. And chapter three is, what wisdom doesn't. And the reason he says that is because 11 times in chapter 3 it says, do not, do not, do not. And here's one of the do nots. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I read that to someone a number of years ago, a very, very intelligent man and his wife who actually attended here for some time before I started coming here. And he said, so what you're saying is I'm supposed to check my brains at the door? No, that is not what it's saying. It is saying that you do not have complete knowledge. Your knowledge is incomplete. That the foundation knowledge is from the Word of God in the skill of living a godly life. Why would you not consult? I ask you this, why would you not consult with the God who created everything, designed and created everything, who knit you together in your mother's womb. Why would you not consult with his word, the owner's manual for human life, the Bible? Why, you know, have you ever heard of Enron? 
Some of you have, some of you haven't. Enron was a huge energy company failure. These guys were so convinced that they knew better than everybody else how to manipulate the market and do this and do that and handle investments in their company and so forth and so on. It was, the phrase was often said, they always were convinced that they were the smartest guys in the room. In fact, I think there was even a book or an article written to that subject, the smartest guys in the room. And there's an old joke you've heard me say that says, you can always tell a Harvard man, but you can't tell him much. And it goes with saying that if you think you're so smart that you don't need to listen to anybody else's advice, you don't need to consult the Word of God, you don't need any information from anybody else, you've got this. That's, the Bible says, do not rely on your own understanding. Not saying check your brains at the door, it's saying do not assume that you know everything that needs to be said. Okay? Chapter, excuse me, verse 6. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your path straight. Acknowledge him. In the middle of that is key. That after the AC and before the L, no. No. No God. No him. This translation does not capitalize the personal pronouns, but the him is God. Acknowledge God in all your ways. How do you acknowledge God in all your ways if you don't know his word? That's what Proverbs is talking about here. Again, we're just doing a skimming today. We're just touching on these subjects. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And what's the reward? And he will what? Make your paths straight. What it's saying is a general rule of thumb. It's not necessary that he is necessarily that he's not necessarily that he's going to make your road as straight as, a, as can be. By following his ways, God's ways, a lot of the obstacles that you would otherwise encounter in your life, such as your own foolishness, if you follow his ways, he will remove a lot, a lot of obstacles simply will not exist because you're following his path. Let's move on quickly. It's, it's not an accident that is followed up with verse 7. Read it with me. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Okay? So don't be like Enron guys. Don't be that Harvard guy that can never be told. And that's just a joke. Not all Harvard people are that way. If anybody here is listening from Harvard, we could apply it to Yale too if that helps you at all. Or Bowdoin. Or Bates. Okay? Do not be wise in your own estimation. What? Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This is the command. So what's the reward in the even side? This will bring healing to your body. Healing to your body. And refreshment to your inner self. One translation says, strength to your bones. Part of the reason why I like using different translations, it gives you a little bit different view. These are legitimate translation differences, okay? Different way of putting it. Now, I want to give you an example, and I'm going to use me as an example. Many times, you folks have heard me say when I'm asked, how you doing? And I say, I'm still short, fat, and bald. But other than that, 
I'm blessed. Okay. I want you to understand it's called self-deprecating humor. I do not hate myself. I love myself way more than I should. Trust me, you can ask my wife. She will confirm that, all right? I do not have an inferiority complex. But what I'm doing to you is I'm presenting to you Exhibit A, all right? You can see that I am, shall we say, husky, chubby, fat, overweight, okay? Well, here's the reality. Most Americans, do you know, by percentage, and I don't know what the percentage is, I meant to look it up before coming in here to get the latest stat, but most Americans are overweight. Now, I ask you, I've struggled with my weight for decades. And when I first came to Shiloh, I was fully 40 pounds lighter than I am now. Just last spring, after a winter of pulling an oil hose, I was between 25 and 30 pounds lighter than I am just now. That was just in March, okay? What I'm trying to tell you is, over the course of a life, an adult lifetime, of studying nutrition and exercise, and I was hardcore. I was, I was Mr. Physical Fitness at one point in time. I was a powerlifter in high school. I was very muscular. I know all about physical fitness. I've read books and watched thousands of videos and so forth, bought into Weight Watchers and you name it. I have a head knowledge all about how not to be fat. But the fact is, I'm still fat. And I hope between the next several, you know, over the next several months to be a lot less fat. But the reality is the difference between knowledge and wisdom is this summer, I have not been very wise. I have not been putting that knowledge to work in action. That's the difference. Wisdom is putting it in action. You understand why I'm using myself this way as an illustration? Now, mind you, I'm not pointing the finger at anyone else. It's a common malady. And I've tried all kinds of different ways and things, and we're not going to get into the details of that. But I'm here to tell you that the difference between knowledge and wisdom, wisdom puts it in action. That's the difference, okay? I've had people debate with me. Actually, an agnostic friend of mine debate with me repeatedly that knowledge and wisdom are the same thing. Okay? If you say so, they are not the same thing. All right. Let's move it along quickly. Verse 9, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first fruits of all your crops. What's that talking about? This was an agrarian society that it was written to. Honor the Lord with your wealth. How do you do that? Well, the magic biblical word here is tithe, one-tenth. If you give, the Bible says in the Old Testament, to give one-tenth, the first fruits, one-tenth, the first and best. Not spend it all where you can and give what's left over to God, but right off the bat, the first fruits, before you spend a single dollar anywhere else, is to take 10% or whatever percentage you can agree to do consistently. The Bible says 10% in the Old Testament, just so you know. But consistently to honor the Lord. And how, what does this do? It, it's a way of acknowledging that you are depending on the Lord. It is a way of acknowledging, number one, we own nothing. God owns everything. Scripture says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He created it all, he owns it all, and he says, 
Give your first fruits. How you define that, I'm going to leave that up to you. I have not yet preached a sermon on tithing here. I don't know that I'm going to do it anytime soon. But it's in the Word. It's in the Bible. I'm not making it up. It has been abused horribly by all kinds of different preachers and, and TV ministries and radio ministries. It's been abused horribly. We don't even pass an offering plate here. There's a mailbox out there you can put it in, okay? We don't play that game here. It's between you and God. God says, honor him with the first fruits of all your crops. What's the reward? Verse 10, then your barns will be filled completely and your vats will overflow with new wine. Well, I don't have a barn, okay? I'm not stockpiling a barn full of food to get through the year or to live off of as I sell the goods, but that's what happened in those days. Your vats will overflow with new wine. The, the wine was a symbol of prosperity, of wealth, and that's what it is. It's not advocating wine, all right, just so everybody knows. Moving right along, chapter 11. Right after that, it, um, excuse me, verse 11. My child, okay? Here we come back down to my son, my daughter. This is a heart-to-heart. -heart. It's heartfelt from the teacher to the student. Do not despise discipline from the Lord. And do not loathe his rebuke. Stop and think about that. When you were a child... Not everybody here is a parent, but everybody here has been a child at some point in time, and some of us still are. When you have been punished, was it because your parents enjoyed punishing you? I seriously doubt it. I seriously doubt it. It was out of love to correct you from going a wrong way. That if you go that wrong way, that there is potential calamity there is danger to you in continuing the wrong way. And so a parent who loves you will correct you in some way. Well, God, your heavenly Father, does the same thing to us. So don't despise the discipline. Discipline is teaching. It's training. It is not punishment for punishment's sake. There's a purpose to it. So don't hate it. It's unpleasant at the time, I can assure you. Chapter, excuse me, I keep saying chapter. Verse 12. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, just as the Father disciplines the Son in whom he delights. Do you understand? If you're with me, say amen. It is in love. God uses the difficulties, the circumstances. He may bring a powerful sense of guilt and conviction on you for you having done something you shouldn't have done. He may bring a powerful sense of guilt and conviction on you for not doing something you should have done. He might bring upon you negative, circum I mean, negative circumstances that could actually be just the natural consequence of doing something you shouldn't have done or the natural consequence of not paying your taxes when you should have paid your taxes. For example, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, just as the Father disciplines the Son in whom he delights. The Lord is sovereign. 
He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing, and he is everywhere. There is no circumstance in your life, no difficulty, no problem that you are encountering that the Lord isn't going to use if you will submit to him for your good and for his glory. Ultimately, for your good and for his glory. Yes, horrible, horrible things, the death of loved ones, the suffering of loved ones, and so forth and so on. We are in a sin-cursed world. That stuff happens because of that very reason. Sometimes stuff just seems to happen because we are in a sin-cursed world. But your Father in heaven knows all things, and he knows you better than you know you. And he will, if you submit to his teaching, to the word of God, he will use it ultimately for your good and for his glory. So I'm about to wrap up. Remember, just as a father delights in the son or daughter in whom he delights. If you are in Christ, if you have trusted Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and you are following him as a disciple, you can know that you know that you know that you know, and I can keep doing that for as long as I want to, you can absolutely know that he loves you. And he loves you better than you can possibly imagine. So I want to wrap up with this. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read it slowly and you can follow along with me because I want you to get all of it. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Whatever you set your hand to do, do it as unto the Lord. Verse 2, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And now I wrap it up. I hope you got the message. I'm trusting God that you got the message. I'm still learning how to do this preaching and teaching thing, folks. And I'm so grateful for your patience while I learn. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bring blessing to everyone who heard this message, that you would make it make sense, that you would cause it to bear fruit in their lives, that you would bring understanding. Help them, Lord, to trust you and to lean not on their own natural, earthly, personal understanding, but to trust you, to follow your teaching, to listen to the advice of much wise counsel. I ask that in Jesus' name. We're going to take a short break at this point. We are, and I say a short break, I mean two or three minutes, long enough for everybody up top who wants to be part of communion here this morning to come on down from the second floor if you want to participate.
We're going to give you enough time to get here, and then we're going to get on it.